What we're trying to say is within the fixed time you already spend on academics, you should be doing more advanced things with kids. There are opportunities to teach math through cooking, through snack time, through attendance. Kindergarten is supposed to be a year of transition for kids, the time when toddlers become bona fide students. But when it comes to math, American kindergartners are falling behind, way behind. Kindergarten teachers are tending to focus on material that kids already know, challenging them little but costing them big in the long run. Here to discuss this troubling phenomenon is Amy Claysons. She's an assistant professor at Chicago Harris who investigates how early achievement skills relate to later life outcomes. Professor Claysons, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. We'll discuss why this problem persists, how the Common Core standards figure in, and what Professor Claysons is doing to help fix it. All right, so set the scene for me and for everyone else who might not remember kindergarten very well. Uh, what's it like nowadays? Kindergarten's actually a pretty controversial period right now. Right. Um, so standards reform and No Child Left Behind and the move towards the Common Core state standards has led to an increased uh, focus on academics in kindergarten. So kindergartners today spend much more time um, doing sort of core academics than they, they have in the past. Kindergarten's also more likely to be full day um, as opposed to half day. But kindergarten is also supposed to be a period of transition to school. And so it's supposed to be a time during which kids are allowed to still explore the world but learn the basics of school. Um, and so kindergarten is this just very controversial year of school right now in large part because of this increased academic press. Mm -hmm. As opposed to playing with blocks and things? <laughs> well, so <laughs> actually black play is academic, but there's sort of uh, built up a false dichotomy in ki about kindergarten that you can't play and do academics. Mm -hmm. And so kindergartners are spending a lot more time doing rote academic content and rote academic activities. But my own work suggests that you, know, you can do advanced academics, but do so through developmentally appropriate ways. Mm -hmm. So doing so through block play. Okay. Uh, you can learn a lot about math from block play. Which kind of brings us to, <laughs> clearly, I don't know, um, what kind of skills are we, are we talking about? So I'm, um, I'm particularly interested in early, early math learning, and this is in large part because a lot of work has shown that early math skills um, relative to reading or behavioral or socio-emotional skills are the most important predictors of later reading and math achievement. So early math skills are actually more important in predicting your later reading skills than your early reading skills. Hmm. So I'm really interested in what kids are doing in terms of mathematics and how we can increase their learning of mathematics. Um, it's not surprising or shouldn't be surprising that kids do very little math in early childhood. And early childhood teachers, so kindergarten teachers, preschool teachers, are typically unsure about mathematics and uncomfortable teaching mathematics. So in pre-service training programs, teachers aren't taught methods of teaching mathematics as opposed to reading, which they are taught methods of teaching reading. Mm -hmm. And teachers themselves report spending a ton of time on reading during these periods and much less time on math. Mm -hmm. In terms of math skills, where are they going to be by the time they leave kindergarten, based on what you found? Well, we actually, what we in our work on kindergarten math, what we find is that regardless of your preschool experience, virtually all children arrive at kindergarten um, knowing how to count to 10, being able to identify basic sh geometric shapes, in contrast, though, teachers report spending almost all of their mathematics time teaching kids 
how to count to 10 and how to identify basic geometric shapes. So what we find is that kids in classrooms who are getting more of this basic mathematics content don't gain as much across kindergarten as kids in classrooms where they're getting more advanced mathematics content. Mm -hmm. And by advanced, I mean, we're still talking about kindergarten. And so by advanced, I mean addition and subtraction. So basic addition and subtraction. Um, So why are we seeing this redundancy? I mean, that seems you know, strange. Well, math is just underemphasized. So this is one piece of it. There's also some questions as I mean, this is actually an open question. Why are teachers teaching kids what they already know? But we do think that it might be that teachers um, are unaware as to where their kids are at. And so if you don't know that the kids all know this content already, you might spend your time on it. But we also think some of it might be driven by um, teachers being uncomfortable with the material or unsure of what they should be teaching. And so they spend their time on these very basic things. We actually find that probably about 12 days a month, kids are exposed to basic, basic counting. So one to 10 kind of counting. Mm -hmm. And we find that more advanced counting actually is beneficial to kids. So doing skip counting, so this is counting by twos or fives or tens, doing counting from, from an off number. So not starting at one, but you know, starting at Mm-hmm. eight or nine, these sort of more complex counting tasks are actually beneficial, but these very basic counting is just not, um, not all the kids know how to do it already. Mm-hmm. And is this unique to math? So uh, it's, more, it's more pronounced in math. We do find in terms of reading, we find that teachers do spend a lot of time on basic reading and kids benefit from more advanced reading. But unlike math, kids don't arrive at kindergarten having mastered all of their letter sounds or letter identification. So with reading, there's more room for kids to need to be exposed to some of the basics of reading. Um, although we do find in that work that even in reading, kids do benefit from doing some more advanced reading as well. Are certain populations or subsets of the kindergarten world affected differently? So we we actually looked at this. So we looked at kids from disadvantaged backgrounds. We looked at kids um, who had attended preschool, kids who didn't attend preschool, trying to see if if these different family or background characteristics might influence what kind of content you should be exposed to. And we find for 95% of kindergartners, advanced mathematics content is beneficial. And for the 5% where we find that they really need basic skills, for those kids, advanced content also boosts their, their scores. So while they still need some of this very basic work that I was talking about, they too can benefit from exposure to the advanced addition and subtraction. So this is across the whole population of kids. Um, and in our work, we're using nationally representative samples of kindergartners, and we do so from um, uh, the late 90s, but we also are updating the work using a cohort of kids who are in kindergarten in the 2010-2011 school year. Mm-hmm. So this is sort of distinct from like the word gap that we hear a lot about where kids from disadvantaged backgrounds hear how many thousand fewer words by age four. Everyone's kind of coming in with more or less at the same point parents are spending so much time and money and preschools are kind of becoming very competitive in this way. And I mean, in terms of math, it's kind of a wash in the end. Is that sort of the takeaway? Well, I think, I think, so we, you know, we look at what kids arrive at the kindergarten door knowing, and mm-hmm. in particular, you know, because math is just so underemphasized, kids aren't getting a ton of math in preschool either. So, mm-hmm. 
mean, all the kids arrive at kindergarten having mastered basic counting and identifying shapes. And this is regardless of your preschool experience. Now, I'm certain in, in preschools where they're doing more mathematics, I would be shocked if the kids didn't know more math than what we're finding. But what, what I think it suggests more than anything is that we've underestimated what kids can do in terms of math in this period. So we... You know, we think that basic counting, sort of identifying standard shapes are what kids should be able to do, but kids are really capable of doing much more advanced mathematics, and I think we just underestimate what kids can do, and we underemphasize math itself. I also find, and I find this with, this is found in a variety of of different research settings, that not only are, are teachers unsure of math and what math to teach, but parents are unsure when they're doing math activities with mm-hmm. kids. So math is just sort of this, this area where we just don't know a lot about what we should be doing with kids. So, you know, unlike the word gap or reach out and read or things that we say, you know, you should read to your kids every day, we don't have a similar or a corresponding math message mm-hmm. to parents or to teachers. And this is something in new work that I'm doing jointly with Susan Levine and the psychology department, we're actually working to develop an intervention with parents and childcare providers so that they could do more math with their kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and what does the intervention look like for parents? <laughs> well, we, we're right now we're in the development phase. Okay. Um, and so we're actually uh, working right now to get into homes and see what math is actually taking place. Because when you give parents surveys about math, they often report doing very little math. But when you observe activities, you see math happening in other settings. So parents might not see the grocery store as as teaching their kids about math. But if you're counting out the number of apples you need to buy or you're talking about how much it costs, if you're weighing things, this is all mathematics. Similarly, parents don't see uh, dinner time as a math time, but you know, sharing a pizza. What we have eight slices. I give you a slice. It's one eighth. We're teaching fractions. So mm-hmm. we're trying to get into homes, uh, or we are in the process of getting into homes to observe what kind of math is taking place, so that then we can decide where are the moments that we want to intervene, or where do we want to teach parents how to scaffold more math activities with their kids. Mm-hmm. And how about on the educator side? So we, um, as part of this group that I've recently joined, uh, there's another team. So the parent group is one that I'm part of. But there's another team that's actually developing a, a professional development program around math for early childhood teachers. So we are funded by the Heising Simons Foundation. And we've just started this project. There are 11 of us from all over the country who've come together to work on development and research around early childhood mathematics. We're called the Dream Team, <laughs> but the, the project itself is focused on trying to teach teachers right, how to do more math during the early childhood period, which we find you know, teachers underestimate kids or are at least um, doing very little of the kinds of uh, math activities kids could really benefit from. As a country as a whole, we've always underemphasized math. So while we say we're so far behind in STEM fields or we're very behind in mathematics, if you look at federal federal spending on education initiatives, we've put a lot of money into reading. So reading first is a huge federal initiative around reading. We think that 
the word gap is really important and we care a lot about literacy skills. We have, schools have reading specialists. It's an entire position you can train for and be certified in. And we don't have a, anything that corresponds to that in terms of mathematics. Schools are slowly starting to see that they might need mathematics specialists. But there's also a piece of this that I think is particularly important is that people who select into teaching young children often are people who are not comfortable with mathematics. Um, and so, right. you know, to, to teach older children, um, you know, if you're going to be a mathematics teacher, you have to take, you have to specialize in math. And with young kids, we don't do that. Similarly, though, pre-service training programs for teachers of young children often don't require any math pedagogy courses at all, but do often require a reading pedagogy class. So math is just this this, this uh, area that we think is really important, and we think it's really important in terms of the future sort of, of the country, that kids need to have these skills, but it's not something that we're emphasizing with young children um, or with the teachers of young children. The Common Core state standards is trying to change some of that by prescribing sort of standards that kids should be able to re- master by a certain period or an age period. But again, these are just areas that they think kids should be able to do, and they're not necessarily giving teachers the modes through which they should be teaching these different content areas. So the Common Core tells you you should master certain mathematics abilities by the end of preschool, by the end of kindergarten, and so on, but uh, the Common Core doesn't provide teachers with any pedagogy training. So teachers still aren't being given the modes through which they should teach these common core standards. And this is getting a lot, this is very controversial because what this ends up doing is leading to this this debate of how academic should kindergartens be, how much time should kids be doing rote worksheets or problems, as opposed to you can teach advanced things through play, but if teachers don't know how to do this, they fall back on things like worksheets and rote, rote activities. Mm-hmm. So tell me more about that. What's the Amy Clayson's ideal <laughs> kindergarten look like? So uh, Daphna Basak at the University of Virginia has written a lot about how kindergarten has become the new first grade. And so she shows trends over time in the amount of time kids are getting academics in kindergarten. And Mimi Engel and I have written a lot about how kindergarten is too easy for kids. And so the, the world of education tries to put us in opposition to each other. Mm-hmm. So the three of us wrote this op-ed in large part to show that you know, increased academics themselves might be a bad thing if it's taking away from play or other important activities. But kids can really do advanced things. So within the time you're going to be spending on academics, doing so in developmentally appropriate ways, through play, through activities, but also doing more advanced things with kids in the fixed time that you have is is really important. And so what we try to argue is we're not saying spend even more time on academics. What we're trying to say is within the fixed time you already spend on academics, you should be doing more advanced things with kids. You know, these playful kindergartens, It's it, there are opportunities to teach math, as I was saying, through cooking, through snack time, through attendance is a great opportunity to do more advanced mathematics. How many kids are here? How many are missing? How many adults? You're doing addition and subtraction without having kids solving, you know, formal problems on the board or something along these lines. And these are the kinds of things that the Dream Team will soon be teaching us about? We hope so. <laughs> we were in, um, so you know, we just started our development phase, and in part, 
my interest in this is really seeing what we can do outside of the formal school setting. So can we get parents, and um, we're also work- working with family child care providers to increase the math activities that they're doing or help them scaffold math activities that they're already doing that they don't see as math. And that's really what we're hoping through that project um, to, to get more math into homes in the same way that these other projects that, that you've mentioned have really worked hard to get more reading or more literacy or more talk into the home. And then the, the dream team as well will be focused on coming up with tools for teachers of young children to be able to draw upon to change the types of activities that they're doing in their classrooms. So one of the issues with the Common Core is that we actually don't know if those are the right math things that kids should know. These are just Mm -hmm. things that a lot of experts in mathematics have said, yeah, kids should do this by the end of kindergarten. But we actually don't know if these are associated with increased math gains. And so in our new work, we take the measures that we have of what teachers are doing in kindergarten and do our best to align those with the Common Core categories. And I say it's suggestive in part because our, our measures were collected pre-Common Core, so we don't have the full range of Common Core measures. Mm-hmm. And the other key issue is that the Common Core cares about the cognitive uh, tasks involved with their standards, and we don't have any measures of that in our data as, as well. So we don't know if this was might have seemed like a basic content task, but it was done so in a way that required a lot of cognitive ability upon, on the part of the kid, so remembering something or or having to be flexible in their thinking. So we don't have those measures. But all of that aside, all of those caveats aside, we do find some suggestive evidence that the common core standards, at least in kindergarten, seem to be positively associated with math gains in kindergarten. So it's, it's it, although it's very controversial, it seems like they might be tapping the right areas. We do still find sort of that basic shapes just really um, are not that important in kindergarten. But again, this is not surprising because if most kids can identify standard shapes by the time they get to kindergarten, spending more time on standard shapes is, is wasted time. So this is so the Common Core seems to be tapping, or at least suggestively is tapping the right or sort of more advanced content for kindergartners. Okay, so it is moving in the right direction. We, we think so. Suggestively. <laughs> yes, suggestively. How did you get interested in all of this? So I, um, I have a degree from the School of Education at Northwestern, and in graduate school I worked on a project where we used six data sets from three different countries to relate school entry, math, reading, attention, and behavioral skills to later outcomes. And we did this work using six different data sets from these three different countries to basically test this hypothesis that was in the world at the time that social, emotional, uh, behavioral skills were as important as early achievement skills for, for school readiness. And so in this work, what we found across all of these data sets was this very consistent finding that early math skills were the most important predictor of later reading and math outcomes, and that the behavioral skills just were not predictive at all, and there was some predictive power for for attention. And so because of that work, which that work came out in 2007, 
the field of early mathematics has really exploded since then Mm -hmm. um, because that work suggests that something's happening with early math and it's not an area that we've been focusing on explicitly, particularly in in the policy world. So there there were, there are psychologists who have been studying early math learning for decades. But what that work suggested was that we might have the wrong emphasis in our mathematics curricula in terms of, as I've mentioned, pre-service training, that we needed to think about what early math looked like in classrooms because we might not be tapping the right, right math tasks. And if math is just this important and this predictive of later outcomes, we should be investing there or at least just understanding better what's happening in early math. So that's really, this came out of graduate school and it's still with me. <laughs> um, you mentioned that you yourself have kids. Uh, what, what was their kindergarten experience like? I mean, did that inform or influence how you thought about all of this? So I actually, my, my daughter was in kindergarten last year when a lot of this work was getting some attention. And and actually, my, my co-author, her child was in kindergarten last year as well. And what it what all of this work has made me very aware of is pointing out to the teachers, my poor, my kids' poor teachers, um, <laughs> when they're actually doing advanced math with the kids, because I think they're not aware that they're doing it. And so the attendance example that I that I gave about an opportunity to teach addition and subtraction actually comes from my daughter's preschool teacher. And I would see it in the notes she would send home that they did attendance and she would write occasionally how they did attendance. And I would would say to her, I'm like, it's so amazing the math that you're doing with these kids. In my daughter's kindergarten, they did a math storybook. It was a writing activity, but they had to do number stories and write basically addition or subtraction problems and then write a story about it. And again, I with that teacher, I said to her, this is amazing advanced math that you're doing with the kids. And I think from her perspective, it was a very specific writing activity. So, to, hmm. so for me, what it's opened up is these opportunities to be positive to the teachers and, and tell them when they're doing things that I see as really advanced math activities. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or Exactly. As opposed to, you know, I don't, I don't worry too much about the math with my children, but I, I think that because I study this area, it, it can make um, the teachers uncomfortable. And so I don't want to come across that way. So I, it's, they'd like to be positive about it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Professor Claysons, thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening. If you haven't heard, Radio Harris is now on iTunes and Stitcher. Please like us, share us with a friend, and, of course, subscribe. This episode was produced by me, Jake Smith, with music from A Smile for Timbuktu, Bimyo, Manu Srivastava, and Christian Bjorklund. Until next time, this is Radio Harris. Radio Harris.